This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Rain today. Rain could be heavy at times, patchy fog, temperatures falling to around 41 by late afternoon. Snow showers likely tonight, possibly mixed with rain, becoming all snow on the overnight. Mostly cloudy, low around 28. On Tuesday, cloudy with showers, like snow showers likely with a high near 33. A late year storm has unleashed heavy rain and gusty winds as it barrels up the east coast. The storm has flooded streets, forced water rescues, and caused the cancellation of holiday celebrations. In the waterfront community of Georgetown, South Carolina, authorities say dozens of rescues occurred after motorists were stranded by floodwaters. The town is situated between Charleston and Myrtle Beach. The tide gauge at Charleston, South Carolina, peaked at the city's highest non-tropical tide on record. The storm dumped up to five inches of rain across Florida. Broome County officials haven't released any cost estimates for repairs that will be needed to following a fire under the Binghamton Bridge. The blaze Wednesday evening damaged a section of the VFW Memorial Bridge near Otsonango Park. The span carries Bevere Street over the Shenango River. The intense fire consumed clothing, blankets, and other items that were used by the homeless who were living under the east side of the bridge off Shenango Street. Firefighters extinguished the blaze within minutes of arriving at the scene. The fire may have damaged some of the beams and other parts of the bridge structure. Some wood sections have been placed beneath the scorched beams. The bridge was closed for several hours while inspectors evaluated the situation. Broome County owns the bridge and is responsible for repairing it. A county statement released Thursday indicated the work likely would take several days to complete. Binghamton police and fire investigators have released no information about what caused the blaze. New York's highest court just gave Democrats a chance to withdraw the straight state's congressional districts. A major victory as the party tries to flip seats in the state to win control of the U.S. House next year. Now the question is how far the state's Democrat-dominated legislature will try to push the boundaries in crucial battleground districts to give their party an advantage and how far the courts will let them. The process will be closely watched for any side of partisan gerrymandering which is forbidden by state law. Construction has started on a bank building just west of the Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Tioga State Bank acquired properties for the Harry L. Drive project in 2019. Bank President Robert Fisher had said the planned branch would feature a high-tech, high-touch feel that will be different with, than more traditional offices. The Village Planning Board approved this slightly revised project in October. The new bank will be located at the intersection of Harry L. Drive and Oakdale Road next door to the Wegman store. A former animal hospital and other neighboring buildings were demolished four years ago to clear the site for the bank project. Tioga State Bank has indicated the new facility will include a 2,900-square-foot building with a drive through ATM kiosk. Bank officials weren't available Friday to provide additional information about the project, including when the office is expected to open. 
Pennsylvania has new laws to allow more criminal records to be sealed from public view and try to reduce the number of people who are on probation or in jails in Pennsylvania. Governor Josh Shapiro signed the bills Thursday, a day after lawmakers passed both with large majorities. The probation law aims to limit the length of probation and prevent people from being sent back to jail for minor violations. However, it drew criticism from the American Civil Liberties Unit Union, which says it doesn't fix problems that plague the state's probation system. The other bill allows courts to seal more records of nonviolent drug felonies and more quickly seal other records. Two men accused of racing on a public highway in western Pennsylvania are facing charges in a crash involving a school van that left a teenage girl dead. The crash also sent three other juveniles and two critically injured adults, including one of the defendants, to hospitals. Allegheny County Police said a Catholic high school van was trying to make a left turn when it was struck by a sedan on September 20th. The medical examiner's office said 15-year-old Samantha Lee Kalkbrenner died at the scene. An attorney for one of the defendants says his client doesn't remember the crash, but words can't describe his remorse. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 707-772-1290. What I've got they used to call the blues. Nothing is really wrong. Feeling like I don't belong. Walking around some kind of lonely cloud. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Here with you. Nice to know somebody loves me. Funny, but it seems that it's the only thing to do. And we're starting off brand new week with Binghamton now. We'll be taking your phone calls. Looking forward to hearing from you. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, the first name here is John from Binghamton. uh, Well, happy Monday. You know, when I first, my first trip to Los Angeles, you know what the first stop was? Right off. A&M Records. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Is that true? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. I went. I, I, of course, there was no GPS or, you know, I went the length of Sunset Boulevard up and down because I didn't know, you know, where La Brea was. And, uh, you know, so I went downtown and up and then, then I, behind the Safeway was, uh, a&M Records, yeah, that's the, that yeah. was... I always looked, yeah. I just, when I got there on Sunset, I just said, where are the tar pits? And people would be like, huh? And they said, well, then just show me to A&M Records. The, yeah, the interesting uh, thing in the Chaplin movie, Charlie Chaplin, is that scene where he's uh, on his way to the Oscars in 73 or 74, whenever it was, and he uh, he stopped by, uh, the uh, drove by the Chaplin Studios, which was the A&M lot. And and one more trivia thing, uh, you know, Gino Vanelli, uh played uh, his music for 13 record labels and was rejected. And uh, he finally had a guy in the kitchen of an Italian restaurant that said that he knew Sinatra and Sinatra uh, could do something for him, you know, and, and that never materialized. So on the last day... And, you know, Gino could grow a, a good five o'clock shadow at the time. Uh, he went down to the A&M lot in the uh, <laughs> trying to talk to Herb Albert. And the security guard <laughs> grabbed him and Herb Albert was coming in. And he said, well, see me later on this afternoon. <laughs> oh, see, the, the stories behind the stories. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the Australian newspaper, uh, about four or five hours ago, uh, they released, oh, and by the way, Bob, I'd like to make an offer to the local TV stations. And that is, uh, if they get the paywall service from the Australian, I'll, I'll reimburse them. Just, just send me, uh, the charge. I'll, I'll come up there with the cash or a check. <clears throat> anyway, the headline four hours ago, Magnus warns IM3 New York bound for sale or scrap heap. So this is a major worldwide news organization. This is not somebody like me on the Internet. And uh, you can see less than 60 days ago, Bob, even when a lot of this was out there, local media led by uh, the Binghamton University cheerleading squad uh, fell in line with Schumer and all these people. So that's what's happening. That's what's really happening uh, to uh, this major economic development uh, battery hub, taxpayer finance. Now, another ancillary story, and I had mentioned this, that the tell was when Stanley Whittingham left the board of Magnus and then took a position with a Chinese company, Microvast, uh, that's an interesting story, too, because uh, about 60 days or so ago, Whittingham himself resigned from the board of Microvest. And this is after the U.S. Congress, some members of U.S. Congress, blocked $200 million in funding, U.S. taxpayer funding, <clears throat> that was going to go uh, to Microvest uh, uh, for, for another gigafactory. So Whittingham is very nimble uh, when trouble is on the horizon. And one other interesting fact is that Microvast now is engulfed in uh, a feeding frenzy of class action attorneys. 
uh, claiming that they knew that they weren't going to get this $200 million uh, sooner uh, than the Reuters story on it. So, uh, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's really going on. And until the television stations, Bob, uh, that are licensed, by the way, and part of their charge is to serve this community, not serve Binghamton University, uh, but serve the entire community. And with hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, and maybe that's their reasoning, we we gotta got to go along with this gag. Uh, but look, uh, it's a sad, sad day for news consumers. Now, but just, it's not just a sad day. It's a sad decade. I mean, yeah. it's it's not just this story. This is just the latest in a series of stories that is either uncovered or undercovered. And the only thing I can say about this story is at least there have been indications for people who have a computer and some curiosity that all is not well on Endicott's North Side. So, I, and I'm not minimizing the story. It's a, it's a big story. And, you know, back in the day, as in at least five years ago, the newspaper would have been all over this. Or if it was 10 or 15 years ago, they would have had a business editor and a business reporter all over it and staff photographers out there right now, uh, taking photographs and getting it set for the first edition. And then what? with updated stories for the edition that would come out at, at 2 or 2.30 this afternoon. So these, yes, the, the story should be covered and maybe people will start to play catch up. But another problem, and it's not, so there, there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah, the newspapers should be covering it, but also the people, public officials who know full well What's going on also have a responsibility. And I think their responsibility is as big or maybe bigger than the responsibility of TV stations, radio stations, and newspapers. Well, I agree with you. There's one thing, though, about the shortness of the staff and the budget cuts and all that in, in local news. That I don't think exempts you from uh, doing a basic search and due diligence and asking some pro just because you're one man with a camera out there uh that doesn't mean you just turn your camera on and let uh, binghamton university officials bloviate about the battery hub uh, well until john until you've worked in a newsroom and know what the circumstances are going on in local newsrooms you know some of it you don't know all of it you you don't realize that there is not a single person in this market who has the time to do the type of reporting that needs to be done here. Not a single one. Well, I'll tell you what. Elmira seems to but, be making... But don't compare Binghamton with Elmira or Scranton or Albany or anywhere else. Binghamton has its own problems. Every market right now, including the big markets, New York City and Washington and Los Angeles, every media market has its own problems, and many of them are unique. But again, until you understand what people in local journalism are facing today, and you know a lot, you don't know at all about well, about on. about what people are facing. And I'm I'm not going to get into it on the air, but because 
it's it would be of no interest to most listeners. Right. But it's not you're oversimplifying the situation. This is a complicated media infrastructure. We'll just say everybody is struggling to stay alive. Okay, they're, they're so, you know, I mean, so to, to say asleep at the wheel on this particular story, yeah, it's true. But asleep at the wheel on virtually every story. So, and again, so don't don't point fingers at particular newsrooms around here. Point fingers at the corporate people who turned these institutions into what they've become. You know, without, the, without sufficient resources, the stories aren't going to get covered. Also... I will uh, say some blame, in fact, a significant portion of the blame, is on news consumers who refuse to pay for news. You will at least pay for news. You'll pay it for subscriptions, whether it's to the Australian or other uh, journalistic organizations that interest you. But the vast majority of people are not providing much, if any, support for journalism, so this is the country you get. This, you know, this was foreseen at least 20 years ago. Just the fact that it took two decades to get us to this point, and by the way, it's getting worse. It's not getting better, and I see no sign, no sign that it's going to improve. So well, even even at this late stage, even if every news organization in Binghamton turned its focus full time on what's going on with the promise of lithium-ion batteries and thousands of jobs, I still wouldn't correct the problem. And remember, that the news organizations didn't create the problem. Yeah, maybe they're guilty of not covering it, but the people who allowed the conditions for the problem, they're the ones who have some explaining to do. They have access to social media platforms. They have access to websites. They have lots of public relations people, many of them former journalists, have them explain. They they have an even greater responsibility. By the way, I'm not saying news organizations don't have an important responsibility, but I am saying that ultimately um, the people, Chuck Schumer, where is he? Missing in action. Kathy Hochul, where is she? Andrew Cuomo, where is he? Broome County officials. Endicott officials, town of union officials, and even people with the company. You know, for all the money, the public money that's been spent so far on this project, each of them has some responsibility to be accountable. And they're not. Okay. <laughs> well, and again, I, I mean, you know, it's easy. Blasting local news organizations, John... It's low-hanging fruit. Yes. Yes. They're, they're a shambles. But even if they start reporting, or even if they had been reporting consistently over the last several months about the way things have been going, wouldn't have changed a damn thing. Yes, people well, would have been more aware of where we are now one week before Christmas, but that wouldn't have changed what's gone on with the technical and financial problems being faced by the outfit. Now, even even though things look gloomy, first of all, I don't think what's over there in Endicott right now is going to wind up on a scrap heap. If anything, I suspect someone in the industry is going to scoop it up. 
someone is going to see it as an opportunity, whether it ultimately is a factory that employs the, the technology that was developed here, or whether it ultimately will be a factory that uses some other technology. So I don't think it's going to wind up on the scrap heap. It might. I, I don't have a crystal ball. But uh, as far as, you know, this this ominous headline could wind up on a scrap heap. Well, anything, you know, any business around here could wind up on a scrap heap. EJ wound up on a scrap heap. Yeah, but we're not even getting to the EJ level. I mean, the... No, I know. No, hey, I, I'm with you, but I... I and if I sound frustrated that you spend a lot of time castigating local news agencies, yes. Well. Yeah, they, they should have been covering more. And they should cover more. Uh, but, but again, you know, don't, don't call into radio stations complaining about the lack of coverage. Call their headquarters. Call the, the people, the people who keep cutting, making Consistent cuts do more with less. We have, we have that philosophy that's in effect at virtually every news organization. But but let me say this, Bob. This is the first time. This is the first time I've ever taken on the uh, the, the local television news. The first time, uh, you know. So be, because I feel that this is so egregious that uh, no matter what your budget is, even if it's uh, of picking up pop bottles and, and going on the internet and, and printing up things. But uh, that's too, you know, yes, they they can do that. And then some people would say, oh, they're just basically doing a cut and paste stuff they found on websites, including websites outside this country. And then they're not doing anything with local interviews to advance the story. And the, the truth is, well, I suspect... They could get the basic material that you've been talking about today and in recent months. Sure, they could get it from down under and see what's been going on with Magnus Energy. But who in Broome County associated with the project, whether it's the principals, I mean, Shaley Shupretti doesn't return my calls anymore. I can't help it. Well, but that's my point. You can't force him. You can't force him to give an update. And the same with people from Binghamton University. Why would they say, oh, okay, all right, when do you want to come over? We'll uh, we'll block out uh, a couple of hours of time so uh, the BU president can answer questions or Senator Schumer so he can answer questions. Why? Who in their right mind thinks any of those people is going to do a sit-down interview with a reporter today. Well, well, seriously. So what are they supposed to do? Tonight on Action News at 6, the, the latest on the challenges of Imperium 3 New York, and then bo- most of it turns out to be the information you've mentioned from Websites outside the country. Oh, and then say Imperium Three New York officials, Broome County officials, Endicott officials, Town of Union officials, uh, New York State officials, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, declined to comment. And then, so of necessity, then they go out to Washington Avenue to do man on the street interviews. What do you think about the problems facing IM Three New York? 
Well, I'm going to have a Merry Christmas. I mean, well, I, you don't. Well, I, I don't think you appreciate what. If you were the news director, who would you send them out to interview today? If you were at the, at a nine thirty assignment meeting in two minutes, who would you tell the reporters? Say we want team coverage, and we want to advance the story. So what? Between nine thirty this morning and six o'clock tonight, what do you think the TV stations could accomplish with everybody all hands on deck working this one story? What do you think they would accomplish? I think you're you're asking me what I would do, and I'm going to tell you. Okay, uh, they could uh, get a hold of David Ross. I think his Twitter handle is at David Ross at the real David Ross from the Australian. And there's a time difference, I know that, but I, I'm, I'm sure if they direct message him, he would, uh, he would be glad to talk to them. So that's, that, that's, that's what I would do. So in other words, there's nobody locally they can interview, nobody who would be willing to be interviewed in Endicott or Vestal or anywhere in Broome County, except for going out for one of those inane man-on-the-street interviews. So, you know, again... Yeah, you know this has been a this has been a story developing for years, and you know it's it is it's great. It's easy to somehow suggest well, that that the news media are at fault with this story. No, the news media are at fault with every story. The the few stories that are covered, and most of the stories that go uncovered. So it's it's symptomatic of a far bigger problem. Republicans came back to your program in in uh, force, uh, so maybe hope springs eternal. <laughs> Stay tuned. It's nine twenty nine. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton now on a Monday morning from the Galt Auto Studios. This is WNBF News Radio AM twelve ninety. Also available at ninety two point one FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Mark. WNBF, and it's wet and wild on this Monday morning with flash flood warnings in effect across the region and a flood watch that now has been extended to um, tomorrow here at WNBF. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, this is uh, Brian Tenninger calling from the National Weather Service. Oh, Thank just you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, just the person I was hoping it would be. Thank you, Brian, for uh, calling in. We were just getting 
uh, started with uh, an overview of where things stand today across the uh, entire region and much of the northeast with um, flood watches and flash flood warnings. So thank you. I know things are, are really busy at the National Weather yep. Service office uh, uh, high atop Mount Ettrick. Give our listeners sort of an overview of where we are now. It's mid-morning on, on Monday. Uh, many areas have received uh, a couple of inches of rain, some cases more, over uh, the last several hours. Uh, what's what's the current situation across um, Binghamton, Southern Tier, and Northeastern Pennsylvania? Yeah, you kind of covered it pretty good with the rainfall. Uh, kind of a broad area of two to three inches, uh, which is can have significant impacts in terms of flooding in our area. We've had some uh, kind of isolated reports of, you know, greater than three inches in some spots uh, in northeast PA. So on all this water is pretty much just it's draining. Um, usually during the winter in the summer months, the water, you know, goes into the soils, the trees, and the vegetation soak it up. So a lot of that, you know, some of that doesn't run off. But now we're in the winter months where, uh, the the vegetation is mostly dormant, so and and some of the the grounds may be slightly frozen as well. So that leads to even though it's not extreme amount of rainfall that we receive, a lot of that just runs off, and so it goes right into the streams and creeks, and they fill up quickly, and and now they're draining kind of into the main stem rivers, the Susquehanna, the Delaware. Um, so we're going to be looking at some some flooding conditions uh, through the rest of today, um, and then. Many of the rivers are going to crest uh, late this evening into the overnight hours and then slowly uh, taper off uh, through the day tomorrow, hopefully, and then uh, get things back under control. Is there any significant stream or river flooding that's been reported in Broome or Tioga counties or the surrounding counties so far? Well, we did have some... um, some pretty fast. It, it's mainly been the, the the smaller, faster responding creeks and streams um, that we've seen some uh, some impacts. I'm trying to take a look here, uh, the Wapasinning Creek and um, Choconut, Those kind of jumped up quickly, and we saw maybe some some minor impacts from those. But they're already starting to go down. Now we're starting to see kind of the main stem, the, the bigger rivers start to slowly go up as well. And then there'll be some some flooding impacts from those um, later today and into tonight uh, as those the kind of exceed our minor. And, and now we're looking at uh, some of the main stem rivers um, uh, reaching or exceeding moderate flood stage and, and the number of the points around Broome County from Conklin, uh, the Binghamton downtown uh, gauge there, Vestal, and then also we're looking at Shenango Bridge getting up into minor, I believe. So yeah, we're gonna we'll be seeing some some flooding impacts uh, from those. In these areas, from what you described, sounds as though the areas that are usually most prone to flooding. If people have had flooding issues in in the past with streams or creeks or rivers, they should potentially expect at least some of that, some impact over the next day or so. Correct. Yeah, a lot of these places have, you know, in our past couple very major flood events, um, these areas have flooded. This is obviously below those criteria that we saw in those 2006 and 2011. We're not there yet, even close. We're not going to reach that. So, but those areas have already seen flooding. Um, so, yeah, well, it, it's going to be the, the typical areas that see uh, see flooding when the main stem rivers kind of reach their banks and kind of exceed their banks a little bit. So. Yeah, we'll be be watching that. We're, we still got. A, there's actually another pretty good band of rain that's 
just moving into Western Broome County, and it's in uh, eastern Bradford County. It's kind of slowly chugging to the east, and it's going to probably put down another maybe half inch of rain. So that'll keep things kind of steady and kind of reinforce the the flooding threat uh, to the, later today. So I have to keep an eye on things, and we'll uh, keep a keep a watch on uh, watch on the rivers, and hopefully the uh, the rain can taper off quickly here. And so when is there going to be a transition from rain or rain showers to snow showers? Is that going to happen um, this evening or overnight when temperatures drop below freezing? Yes, we are looking at like the, the snow starts to mix in probably after 7 o'clock. Uh, it's coming in as the, as the cold air kind of comes in from west to east. So, And then definitely by... By midnight, it should be, you know, mostly kind of light snow showers. There could be some some moderate snow showers up in the Finger Lakes area uh, through the overnight hours. Could be a, an inch or maybe two of accumulation in some spots. Um, but, yeah, for the southern tier, yeah, we're looking at uh, generally an inch or less uh, of snow uh, tonight. So not to add insult to injury with the, the flooding, but then we got just a little bit of snow on top of it as the, the cold air comes in. So... Yeah, lows down tonight into the upper 20s. So, had the rain amounts in Broome and Tioga counties exceeded what forecasters initially anticipated? Yeah, we were looking at anywhere from an inch and a half to two, two and a half inches. We uh, looking at some of the reports here. We we got two to two and a half inches reported. Two and two point zero eight here at the airport. So we're we're right about maybe just slightly above of what we were forecasting, but I think we hit amounts in our area pretty good. And then we were expecting the heavier rainfall amounts, you know, further to the south and east. And I think that's what what's going to end up unfolding um, when all is said and done. You get three. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see when everything's done to see a, a four-inch uh, rainfall amount in some of our areas. So, yeah, we were we kind of we hit it pretty good. I think with the rainfall, it's just. We're expecting probably more of it to maybe soak into the ground and not be so much runoff. So the, the the rivers are kind of overperforming a little bit, but I think we overall kind of captured it pretty good. So. And then after uh, tomorrow, it looks like things actually settle down. Five days after tomorrow, including the uh, holiday weekend, the Christmas weekend, um, look generally precipitation free and daytime highs uh, pretty much above freezing every day, including some days in the 40s, even mid-40s. Yeah, correct. Yeah, we got a number of, you know, 40s uh, for highs days going into Saturday, Sunday, and Monday uh, on Christmas Day. So definitely going to be a mild Christmas, it looks like, at this point. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. Hopefully nothing changes drastically. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're looking at. Brian Penninger with the National Weather Service Binghamton office at the Greater Binghamton Airport. Thanks for checking in with us. I appreciate it. Yep, no problem, Bob. Thanks. Thank you. 943, live and local, with information in real time here on Binghamton Now, 607-772-1290. Listening to 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and WNBF.com.
946 WNBF. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Bradfield. Uh, how was your weekend? Super. How was yours? Eh, not bad. Can always be better. You know that. Nothing's perfect. Hey, um... Bobby, I'd like to shine a light on a couple of top, uh, topics real quick. Um, first, Bob, I, I saw a poll this morning that, that was pretty disturbing to me. Um, 58% of the young people in our country, you know, high school, college-age kids, they're okay with, they agree with what was done on October 7th by Hamas. They say it was justified. Bob, you know, I'm appalled by that. I mean, over half? I mean, <laughs> that that's putting on display that, that, that they're a byproduct, like I said before, of, the, of our sick Marxist education system, Bob. That's terrible. 58% think that that was okay? Can you believe that, Bob? No, I don't believe it. I don't believe that for a minute. Well, I... I mean, who did the poll? 50. I saw it flashed on Fox. Who did the poll? I had it muted. I, I didn't... Uh, okay. No, and so you asked me if I believe it. No, I don't believe it for a minute. Well, I'm going. we're going to have to dig because if it... No, don't even bother. Don't dig about poll numbers because po we've covered this before. You can, if you believe in polls about issues or whatever, enjoy. But I'm not going to waste much precious airtime on this program talking about poll numbers. But you asked me a direct question, do I believe it? And my direct, definitive response is no. I don't believe it for a minute. Okay. You don't believe it. Next topic. Next topic. Okay. Next topic. Okay. Um, do you know, because I know you have connections, maybe you can dig for us, Bob. Tell us why Senator Dick Durbin will not allow Jeffrey Epstein flight logs to be made public. I don't know. Why would I dig for that story? I'm a local reporter. I don't have time for that. If I have time to dig for anything, it's going to be about the future of IM3 New York. Why would you think... Bob from WNBF in Binghamton would be interested in, in doing any reporting on Dick Durbin. Do you find it funny that he's blocking, that we can't know who... But people, anybody that was flying on his planes, it would, they should have to defend themselves, defend why they're on the list. I think we have a right to know, Bob. And, and you know, and, and I heard before... Well, if you're concerned about it, call his office. Say, I'm, an, I'm a U.S. citizen. I want you to release the information. You know, it, it, I heard... Did you hear what I said? I can't do anything about it, and I promise you, unless Dick Durbin does something that's of direct interest here in Broomer, Tauga counties, I'm not going to report on anything he does. So my advice to you and anybody who cares about those records call his office and say the record should be released what's your response chief justice Rock. will you wait will you call his office as soon as we're done speaking and let his office know you want the information released no i will not okay well then continue next topic chief chief justice roberts um it 
And that could explain why, Bob, why he has exhibit signs of drinking the liberal Kool-Aid when it comes to his decisions. Because they say he's on the list. He's being blackmailed, Bob. We Who says? Who said he's on the list? I don't know. Could They. Okay, next topic. You know, you call into this program with polls that are unsourced, something that was flashed on a cable channel. Then you talk about a very serious allegation involving a Supreme Court justice. They say, next topic. I like this because we're we're handling many topics quickly. Next. 58%. 58%. Stop with the numbers. Don't call in this program and talk about polling numbers. That's not what we do. Next topic. How about next question? You really find it hard to believe that the young people in this country would feel that way? Yes. You do. The way things have been going over the past few years, you you really believe that? No, I don't believe anything that you just reported from a so-called poll. Next topic. Okay. Well, hey, those are the only two things I want All to right. cover about. Well, we, we covered them, I think, expeditiously. Thank you. It's 951. You have topics. Um, just by, uh, guidance, if you bring up a poll, odds are we won't talk about it. I don't care about polls. There are polls I care about. They're on election day. As far as public opinion polls, about upcoming elections or certain topics, public opinion polls are very, very, very difficult to talk about accurately because you need to know everything about how they were conducted who they contacted and how the questions were framed polling experts will acknowledge that the outcome of a poll can be affected by the way it's conducted and how the questions are framed it's 952 bob joseph on wnbf WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com, and this is your program. The Binghamton Now program, live and local, dealing with factual information. Now, breaking news, Dateline Rome. Pope Francis has formally approved allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. A new document just out explaining the change in Vatican policy by insisting that people seeking God's love and mercy shouldn't be subject to an exhaustive moral analysis to receive it. The document from the uh, Vatican's Doctrine Office elaborates on a letter Francis sent to two conservative cardinals and published in October. In that response, Francis suggested such blessings could be offered under some circumstances if they don't confuse the ritual with the sacrament of marriage. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Everybody talks about the weather, but very few people actually sing about it. Cause the sky is fine, I can see. It's cold, gray, 
Flood watch continues across the region till midnight. Also, flash flood warnings are in effect in some areas around streams, creeks, and rivers. So keep a close eye on your situation. Some additional rain likely over the next several hours across the southern tier and northeastern Pennsylvania. Pay attention. And, of course, turn around. Don't drown. It's 10 o'clock at WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Rain today. Rain could be heavy at times. Patchy fog. Temperatures falling to around 41 by late afternoon. Snow showers likely tonight, possibly mixed with rain, becoming all snow on the overnight. Mostly cloudy, low around 28. On Tuesday, cloudy with showers, like snow showers likely with a high near 33. A late year storm has unleashed heavy rain and gusty winds as it barrels up the east coast. The storm has flooded streets, forced water rescues, and caused the cancellation of holiday celebrations. In the waterfront community of Georgetown, South Carolina, authorities say dozens of rescues occurred after motorists were stranded by floodwaters. The town is situated between Charleston and Myrtle Beach. The tide gauge at Charleston, South Carolina, peaked at the city's highest non-tropical tide on record. The storm dumped up to five inches of rain across Florida. Broome County officials haven't released any cost estimates for repairs that will be needed to following a fire under the Binghamton Bridge. The blaze Wednesday evening damaged a section of the VFW Memorial Bridge near Ossonango Park. The span carries Bevere Street over the Shenango River. The intense fire consumed clothing, blankets, and other items that were used by the homeless who were living under the east side of the bridge off Shenango Street. Firefighters extinguished the blaze within minutes of arriving at the scene. The fire may have damaged some of the beams and other parts of the bridge structure. Some wood sections have been placed beneath the scorched beams. The bridge was closed for several hours while inspectors evaluated the situation. Broome County owns the bridge and is responsible for repairing it. A county statement released Thursday indicated the work likely would take several days to complete. Binghamton police and fire investigators have released no information about what caused the blaze. New York's highest court just gave Democrats a chance to withdraw the straight state's congressional districts. A major victory as the party tries to flip seats in the state to win control of the U.S. House next year. Now the question is how far the state's Democrat-dominated legislature will try to push the boundaries in crucial battleground districts to give their party an advantage and how far the courts will let them. The process will be closely watched for any side of partisan gerrymandering, which is forbidden by state law. Construction has started on a bank building just west of the Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Tioga State Bank acquired properties for the Harry L. Drive project in 2019. Bank President Robert Fisher had said the planned branch would feature a high-tech, high-touch field that will be different with than more traditional offices. The Village Planning Board approved this slightly revised project in October. The new bank will be located at the intersection of Harry L. Drive and Oakdale Road next door to the Wegman store. A former animal hospital and other neighboring buildings were demolished four years ago to clear the site for the bank project. 
Tioga State Bank has indicated the new facility will include a 2,900-square-foot building with a drive-through ATM kiosk. Bank officials weren't available Friday to provide additional information about the project, including when the office is expected to open. Pennsylvania has new laws to allow more criminal records to be sealed from public view and try to reduce the number of people who are on probation or in jails in Pennsylvania. Governor Josh Shapiro signed the bills Thursday, a day after lawmakers passed both with large majorities. The probation law aims to limit the length of probation and prevent people from being sent back to jail for minor violations. However, it drew criticism from the American Civil Liberties Unit Union, which says it doesn't fix problems that plague the state's probation system. The other bill allows courts to seal more records of nonviolent drug felonies and more quickly seal other records. Two men accused of racing on a public highway in western Pennsylvania are facing charges in a crash involving a school van that left a teenage girl dead. The crash also sent three other juveniles and two critically injured adults, including one of the defendants, to hospitals. Allegheny County Police said a Catholic high school van was trying to make a left turn when it was struck by a sedan on September 20th. The medical examiner's office said 15-year-old Samantha Lee Kalkbrenner died at the scene. An attorney for one of the defendants says his client doesn't remember the crash, but words can't describe his remorse. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Morning is Monday with Pop Joseph live. Binghamton now, WNBF. I think of all the worries people seem to find and how they're in a hurry to complicate their minds by chasing after money and dreams that can't come true. I'm glad that we are different. We've better things to do. May others plan their future. I'm busy loving you. Live for today. Tomorrow, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow will be handled by AI. So enjoy today while they're still allowing you to do what you love to do. AI tomorrow. And then people, after everyone else, after every human has been replaced... By AI, people will be saying, gee, why were we complaining all the time before? That was actually good. We actually were able to interact with other people. May not have been perfect, but we didn't know how well we had it. Prepare, friends, for AI. And the revolution will not be televised. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Bill Bandera. Oh, great. Hey, thank you, Bill. I wasn't sure if uh, if you're going to call uh, right here at 10-11 or in a couple minutes. 
so the tradition continues. The Bandera family Christmas dinners will continue in Broome and Shenango counties. And I know we've already received some um, questions about if you had already been on or when you were coming on. So people have been waiting to hear the update. <laughs> so how are you Very doing? Nice. Hey, I wanted to tell you, I, I took a poll about the Christmas. And no, I didn't. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been listening. Oh, oh yeah. okay. thank you. Thank you. Well, I will say this. If, so. if you gave me poll results about what people thought, about the Bandera family Christmas dinner tradition, those yeah. results I would accept because I would think yeah. those results would be very close, yeah. not 100%, <laughs> but probably in the upper 90s with people saying it's a it's a great tra- tradition. Speaking of that, tell yeah. our listeners a little bit of background. Every year when you come on to talk about the Christmas dinners, we ask you first to tell us how it all started because I never want to assume everybody listening knows about this tradition. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a great story. Uh, it was my parents, uh, Bill and Carolyn Bandera, back in 1989, <clears throat> decided to do something. They wanted to do something to give back to the community. Um, and they uh, also, that first uh, couple of years, they were, we had a bunch of people at the American Legion that helped them out as well uh, to pull this off. But they decided to do a Christmas dinner free for anybody in the community. And in, in 89, um, they served uh, 69 meals, and in the middle of doing those meals, my mom looked at my dad and said, "Hey, we're we're doing this next year." <laughs> and so, you know, and then we did it the next year, and then we did it the next year, and uh, all, you know, now we're at 34 years. It's just it's crazy because it, w- it was never planned. It wasn't like we sat down and said, "Hey, we're going to do this." for the rest of our lives. So. Well, started simply enough, and that's actually the way a lot of traditions start. Nobody ever expected that it would turn into something that would last for decades, but that's what happened in this case. Now, tell us overall how things have worked over the years. There have been uh, occasional different tweaks of how, how you've operated, but the basic premise has, has remained the same since the beginning. Yeah, uh, well, so my parents, you know, my dad passed away in 2010, and that's when uh, I took over as, um, you know, I guess the event manager or whatever. And uh, when that happened and, and I realized, hey, this, I'm going to continue this, we, you know, we became a nonprofit, uh, which helped us out a lot with um, uh, procuring some uh, donations and, and corporate support and stuff like that. And so we've grown. Uh, at, in 2010, we were serving around 2,000 meals, and uh, we've always delivered meals into the community. That's a good story, too, uh, how that started, because somebody called up the first year and said, hey, I can't get in there. Can you bring me a meal? And that ended up being me bringing that meal. And my mom, when I got back, my mom said, hey, that's a great idea. I think we'll let's do this next year, deliver meals. So everything kind of bloomed that first year there. Um, so when I took over, what, uh, I was... Uh, determined to grow it, you know, and reach more people. That's that's what we do. We want to just impact lives positively and bring people together in the community, you know, on a pretty special day. And when when you're alone, <clears throat> or you're a senior, or you're homeless, or whatever your situation is, uh, we want to just make sure that you know you're loved and 
cared for. And we do it by, you know, doing this dinner. So we now currently, um, this year we have five sit down locations where you can come and sit down and eat the meal. Uh, and that's, you know, the American Legion post 80 in Binghamton. We're in, uh, St. Ambrose school, which is behind St. Ambrose church in Endicott. We're in uh, Norwich for our sixth year in Norwich with the American Legion in Norwich. And then uh, this year we're our first year in Oxford, the American Legion, and Sydney, uh, the American Legion. So all in all, we're going to reach about or serve approximately 5,000 meals this year. And uh, all volunteer-based, we've got a great group of people that continue to help make this happen every year. We'll give a shout-out to a couple names. Peter Boisel and Tom Tiffany, who are like my my right hand men. Well, so, it's yeah, it's um, just impressive how many people have made this possible, <laughs> and and the fact that, uh, as you mentioned, you you took up the um, the opportunity from from your parents, and you've been able to enlist a lot of help because obviously, if you tried to do it alone, it wouldn't be feasible. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's an amazing thing to watch it come together. So many people have done it for so many years. I'm quite sure if I were absent for some reason, um, they'd be able to pull it off, you know, and that's exciting for me because uh, for me to be able to reach out to a, a new city or a new village, new place that doesn't have a dinner, um, I can't do that if I don't have people helping out at the places that already exist, you know, obviously. And uh, that's kind of my mission right now is to, <clears throat> as we're, I'm kind of stretched to a place where I'm like, I don't know how I do another another one after this and keep going with the five that we have unless I can find committed people, like-minded people, um, you know, they're going to put in some serious time. It's, it's not hard work, but it is time-consuming work, and it's a true commitment, you know, and I am blessed and fortunate that the people around me um, do what they do. You know, they, they it's my name, but it's really the community helping itself. So how many locations or how many uh, dinners are you estimating might be served this Christmas with these five sit-down locations? Yeah, so we're, we're actually preparing um, upwards of close to 5,000 meals. Um, so it's usually around 3,000 that we put on in Binghamton and Endicott. We do approximately 1,000 in Norwich, and we're anticipating 250 in Oxford and 250 in Sydney. So, uh, you know, and we do deliver people. We're still taking orders. If people want a meal delivered to their residence, they, they can't get out for whatever reason. Um, they can call United Ways 211, which is a call for help. Uh, they they partner with us, and they'll take their orders, and we'll make sure we deliver meals for them. So at this point, are you still seeking help? Here we are. It's a week away. Uh, do you want other yeah, people absolutely. to provide assistance, either volunteering or financial help to support this mission? Yeah, if, um, either either one. We're always, we're, people are signing up every day, which is all, that's fun to see new people signing up as well. Uh, if, 
if they're interested in volunteering, all they have to do is go to our website, which is banderachristmas.com, and there's they can sign up for any of those locations. And, um, you know, there's still slots we're filling. We need help on uh, certain spots uh, in Norwich. We need help for making the potatoes this year. We don't have anybody for that yet, and that's probably the hardest job is why it's not filled i'm sure <laughs> and so um but yeah they can go to the website they can donate there they can volunteer uh, or sign up to volunteer and they'll get a schedule for all the sites and they can pick and choose when and where they want to volunteer bill bandera thank you for continuing this great tradition after all these decades we always look forward to hearing from you and we commend you and everybody else who makes this tradition possible going forward in Broome and Shenango counties. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. We appreciate your time and everybody out there listening, we, we thank them too. So be well and All Merry right. Merry Christmas. You as well. Thank you. It's ten twenty one. We're live and local right here on News Radio WNBF. We take phone calls at six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. By the way, if you're new to the program, thank you. You may have uh, discovered we don't use a script, we don't use a teleprompter, and we don't use talking points. Those are for the other programs. This is Binghamton Now. It really is different. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. On a Monday morning, Dave from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Uh, happy rainy weather today. The um, reason why I was calling was because of that. So I don't think I heard anything a few years ago. So it's pretty much exactly three years ago, December 17th, was when we had the wonderful 44 inches of snow. And just imagine what these three inches or whatever of precipitation would be. If it was snow like then, yeah, I I kind of wish that's what happened. I I would rather have thirty or forty or fifty inches of snow than this much rain. But you know, that's just me. Yeah, and well, you know, get your home studio all set up, and you can be like Fangino or whoever. <laughs> well, and, and and by the way, that's that you you read my mind. If it was snow, it say this is a pretty good rule of thumb. If we wind up with say about a foot and a half or two feet of snow, it's uh, almost a given. I I won't be here in the studio, but I may be on the air remotely. Um, so yeah, that's that was. I think the best thing about the snow from December seventeenth, twenty twenty, is as it started falling, 
say shortly after midnight, when I let the dogs out at three in the morning and it was coming down at the rate of four or five inches an hour, you know, it was, it was a spectacle. Dogs didn't like it, but I loved it because I knew, at least for that morning, I was going nowhere. Gotcha. Yeah, it was definitely and beautiful to watch come down for sure. Dogs don't find too many things beautiful, but at least now we know who let the dogs out. But. Woof, woof. <laughs> and good good bumper song for the next round. Yeah, I don't know. I I saw a video. You know, the problem now with uh, Twitter is they have a separate function on Twitter. It's one thing to follow the stuff, you know, the people you follow on Twitter, because that stuff is actually relevant and things that are interesting and newsworthy. And then they have this other button on Twitter now called For You, which serves up um, at 35 things at a time uh, unmitigated useless information based on your past interests. So if you ever clicked on a video of, like, who let the dogs out, so now I get videos like that um, yesterday. See, that's they always hold it against you. You make It's sort of like <laughs> one strike and you're out, so you inadvertently clicked on a really stupid um, video on Twitter two weeks ago where somebody used who let the dogs out. Now every time that a who let the dogs out video gets posted, it actually was kind of cute because it showed a couple, I don't know if it was a couple of kids or maybe just one kid playing in the backyard, and somehow the neighbor's dog got into their fenced-in yard, and the young kid was scared running around. And But the dog was having fun. The dog didn't attack the kid. The dog just wanted to play, so it was kind of it was a fun video, except because it was something based on on what I had watched before. It was just a total mindless waste of time, thanks to the algorithm. So, Oh, yeah. The uh, the FYPs or the For You pages or <laughs> hashtag FYP, you know, watch out what you watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and yet all it does is, is illustrate like, here's, here's one served up for me right now, and this shows you um, the type of things I'm interested in. A piece of video. Emergency landing in Philly greeted by ambulances and fire trucks. This journey never ends, and it's a four-second video of someone who I don't follow uh, with a plane that, that landed in Philadelphia. Apparently, it landed okay, but was an unscheduled landing. But they know because I'm interested in things like aviation or if there are, you know, commercial aviation or military aviation incidents. So that stuff gets served up. And let me see what else. Because it sadly, there's a lot of sports that shows up, which I don't understand. I think their algorithm is, is needs to be tweaked. Um, and, and actually, speaking of, of how it how much it looks at it, one of my friends yesterday on Facebook, um, I saw a post he made of uh, special Coke flavor. And then right after that, like as I'm scrolling through Facebook, it was his post and then an ad for Coke. Oh, that happens so frequently. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, say, Oreo cookie. I mean, one thing that you'll never find, say, Malamars, because the, the <laughs> company that makes Malamars, which is the same company that makes Oreos, they don't want to market. I mean, they know Malamars appeal to a fan base, so they don't have to do any marketing. But, say, if I do, if I click on any tweet involving Oreo cookies, I can almost guarantee within 10 seconds 
an Oreo cookie ad will pop up on my Twitter feed because that's just how good it is. But, yeah, it, it happens with some frequency, and, you know, I understand how it works. And it's fine because, as Elon Musk would point out to me, Bob, how much are you actually paying for your Twitter service? To which I would mm -hmm. say zero dollars and zero cents. And then Elon, of course, his next question. So going forward in the next five years, how much do you think you'll have to pay? And it'd be like, well, I'll tell you, tell you, Mr. Musk, and I would call him Mr. Musk if he wasn't smoking weed. Mr. Musk, I will continue to be a member of this Twitterverse for as long as I can be part of it without paying you one penny. The minute, the minute you force me to pay even 10 cents, I'm out of here. You know, well, I mean, I guess, you I, know, he, he won't tell you the same thing he told Bob from uh, a certain company in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Elon Musk, amazingly, despite his best efforts, he still hasn't succeeded in wrecking Twitter. I mean, he has done every, everything in his power since he bought it to wreck it, and that just shows how important Twitter is to the world, that even, even Elon Musk, who is hell-bent on wrecking Twitter like a spoiled brat on Christmas morning, wrecking, you know, thro throwing a tantrum and wrecking all of his toys within 10 minutes of, of unwrapping them. That's what Musk reminds me of, what what he's done with Twitter. It's like, eh, I paid whatever, $50 billion, eh, and I'm going to try to break it. Well, he hasn't managed to break it yet. And maybe he won't. I, after After the first few weeks of Musk owning Twitter, I thought for sure the thing would be completely destroyed by this time. But, you know, and I don't begrudge the guy efforts to monetize the, the platform. You know, more power to it. If, if some people want to pay whatever per month to get a blue check mark, hey, you know, like, uh, who was it? P.T. Burnham said, P.T. Burnham said some people will pay a monthly fee for a blue check mark next to their name. And I'm good with that. Just don't force me yeah. to do it. Which actually makes me wonder now if, you know, the days of websites or uh, web services that are so popular that they're ingrained in daily life, if they won't go away as quick as they used to, or, you know, like um, MySpace, you know, if MySpace had the level of usage, you know, it, it was one of the most popular websites back then. But now with Facebook, can Facebook, um, you know, people say, oh, it's going down in popularity with the youth, but is it really going to disappear at some point i don't, I don't think so well in, who knows in, yeah i mean it's there's so many factors involved including how the bean counters who are running facebook now um manage to understand what people currently want and and make changes gradually i mean it can be done they can keep it alive but at some point if they're not careful It'll cease to become relevant. And that's one of the problems or potential problems Twitter faces. Uh, and a lot of people who were using it pre-Musk have, have said they don't like what it's turned into, the, the level of discourse, which wasn't very good to begin with, has gotten even worse. And just overall, it feels like uh, just a, a daily hellscape. And yet, you know, even despite... The problems with Twitter, it still feels 
quite relevant to quite a few people. So, you know, to especially journalists, public officials, uh, some businesses, and some individuals who are interested in current events will put up with the, with the, um, with the slop because there's, there's still enough potential gems that show up on Twitter in the average day. It's like, it's like, um, we'll say network TV in prime time. It's a lot of stuff. Of course, that's not a good example because I never watch network TV in prime time anymore. <laughs> well, never mind. Bad example. Um, but you know what I'm but saying. You didn't, the, you didn't see what the Beaver did last night on the show? You know, I I would be hard-pressed <laughs> to tell you the last time I watched a network prime time show with the – I don't know that I watch any entertainment shows – anymore that are on traditional network, I mean, whether over the air or cable, I can't tell you. And and 60 Minutes even, 60 Minutes is the occasional exception, but that's another thing. You know, 60 Minutes, some nights it's on 7 o'clock, some nights it starts at 7.44. I don't understand, I don't understand their scheduling. Why don't they just announce, say, during football season, 60 Minutes will start at 8 o'clock then? Yep, sure. You know, I don't have time to sit around and wait for all the the blathering and you know who she's dating now and you know <laughs> is it going to be twins or triplets I don't I don't have time you know if that's what NFL coverage has devolved into count me out you know yeah. I'm I'm from I the agree. era I'm from the era of of Joe Namath and Fran Tarkenton that's that's when football was football and I was I'm from the generation of being mad and draw on the screen. <laughs> and and before and before cheating ever existed in the NFL. That's my era. Oh wait, yeah, it's yeah. always existed? Oh never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about if they could test the deflation way back when. <laughs> of course it's always existed. I you know, it, I uh, it's of course cheating is part of the, the human experience. It'll look I was going to name a, a name and say, but then people would be offended, and I certainly don't want to offend people this early in the week. Uh, anyway, thanks for checking in. Keep me posted. Will do. Enjoy. <laughs> don't want to offend people this early in the week. It's 1035. What say you? 607-772-1290. It's Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph on WNBF. Ten thirty-eight live at WNBF. Back to the phone lines. Ron from the wild west side of Binghamton. Hi there, Bob. Things are getting kind of wild and wooly out here. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. But we're we're holding our own here on the west side. Um, Bob, I I I'm musing and pondering and. Kind of thinking here. I just want to throw a couple of quotes out for you and your viewers. And I want to preface it by asking a question. Uh, the question is, what does one have to be or to do to qualify as a human being? How do you qualify to be considered acknowledged as a human being. What's necessary? 
Wow, that's deep. Well, we'll throw that yeah. out there. We'll throw that out there. Well, what what yeah. if if someone asked you the question, what would your answer be? Well, I'd say uh, being alive. Uh, uh, if if you were born into this world, you're a human being, and as a human being, notwithstanding where you might end up, whether you are do do things good for um, the public or whether you're you know, a criminal, whatever, you still, you qualify as a human being on a level that is a, you know, it's a basic philosophical understanding goes across all countries. You're a human being. You deserve to be considered a human being. And that's not saying that you may be a human being that deserves to be in prison or you're a human being that uh, deserves the Nobel Prize. But Everyone needs to be considered and approached as a human being in order for us to have a world and a society in in which uh, we uh, we we live uh, and prosper together. I, I guess I, I don't want that to sound real frilly and anything, but it, you know, it's it's my old uh, I guess my old Jesuit education. Uh, you know, what is the essence of man? And uh, being a human being is a given. I bring that up, and I'm, I, I want to mention two quotes in in relation to to that question. Uh, and quote number one says, and I'll tell you who you can guess who who the quote is from. But the quote is a very recent quote, and it is a quote: "They're coming into our country." From Africa, from Asia, over the world, they're pouring into our country. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. Now, that sounds to me like 1930s Nazi Germany. They're poisoning the blood of our country. Uh, Well... You know who said that, right? In Durham, New Hampshire. Right. So continue. Yeah. yeah. No no well, surprises. Nobody's surprised. Yeah. Uh, the other quote, uh, and I'll tell you who the quote is from Chris Christie, who said about Trump, quote, what he's doing is dog whistling to Americans who feel absolutely under stress and strain from the economy and from the conflicts around the world, and he's dog-whistling to blame it on people that don't look like us. Uh, and I, I think that captures it pretty well. Uh, Trump uh, is appealing to the basest, basest instincts in people who look at the other and say the other is the problem. We have identified this person. This person can't uh, can't exist with us. Now, I'm not saying can't exist with us as if they should be uh, exterminated, but uh, cannot exist with us in our own country. They're they're poison. And when you have a mentality like that, rhetoric like that, uh, what you are doing, and that is Trump. You are poisoning this country. This country is finding a high level of poisoning because of talk like that, 
And the remarkable thing, of course, is that millions and millions of people are buying it, including people who call the station to defend this man. That's all I have to say, Bob. Thank you. And we'll throw that out there for other listeners. If you have some thoughts, give us a call. 607-772-1290. Monday morning live with the best radio program in the history of the medium. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. With your Binghamton Now broadcast. Bill from somewhere in Colorado. Good morning. You're on the air. Welcome. Uh, thanks, Bob. How you doing? Good. How are things Good. in Colorado this morning? Bright and sunny. Ah, wish I was there. It's a little chilly. It's like 35 right now, but it's bright and sunny. Um, okay, so I guess it was last week somebody was talking about uh, illegals getting $5,000. Uh, well, there's, uh, like the Catholic Charities and United Way, they're, uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations. They are the ones who are getting, giving the illegals the, the $5,000. Oh, because the caller made it sound like it was coming from the government. And I, I'm thinking well, the government's not going to be giving out $5,000 uh, gift cards to everybody who uh, comes into the country. That's not sustainable. Well, no, but the, these organizations are, uh, they rely on tax dollars. So actually, it's like a third party giving them, but they just, yeah, the tax the taxpayers are actually paying that $5,000 because the government gives these organizations that money, and then these organizations give the illegals that money. Well, I mean, bottom line, when the Senate candidate in Arizona said it, he knew it was um, false information. He knew that his claim was not accurate the way it was presented because he he decided that he would lie in a campaign commercial and say that uh, basically people who are coming in the United States illegally or getting $5,000 visa gift cards, and the implication was it was coming directly from the federal government. So, you know, if he wants to lie, he can do it because he's a candidate, but it's not right. Well, directly and indirectly. Now, when people make a statement like that designed to stir up potential voters, which is why he put it in his campaign commercial, they should represent the whole story, tell the whole story, Everything. Don't just, you know, throw it off uh, and think that, oh, well, you know, if people care, they'll drill down to find out exactly how this works. You know, lies are lies and deception is deception. He knowingly deceived many Americans. Uh, I, I didn't hear that ad. Yeah. No, I thought we played part of the ad on on our program uh not too long after that original caller. So I, hey, if if he has a criticism about how some nonprofit organizations are spending money, including some funding they receive from the government, be specific. Be specific. Don't try to lie about it. Right. Yeah. You know the truth. This is what I will say, Bill. 
The truth shall set you free. Right, yeah. Uh, but there's one other thing I wanted to mention here. Uh, so I used to have the WNBF app on my phone, uh, but I noticed that there is like a lot of commercials. So one one night I just I happened to to keep track of how many commercials, and in five of an hour, you had eight minutes of news, you had like thirty seven, thirty eight minutes of commercials, and you had about fifteen minutes of actual content. And that's the way it is today. Are you listening on the app? No, no, I, I don't have the app anymore. All right. Well, sometimes I, I will say, and I've noticed this too, sometimes because of uh, a glitch, a technical glitch, the um, the way the computers insert commercials, um, for some reason, they don't automatically return to the program as they should because most of the commercial breaks tend to be three or four minutes long. And then it's back to a commercial. And then after whatever, 10 or 15 minutes, another commercial break with three or four minutes of commercials and so on. So, yes, yeah, sometimes there have been times when the the commercials, for whatever reason, and by the way, those commercials aren't even inserted here. So I don't know how it happens, but I know sometimes it, it has happened. And not just with uh, uh, our app. I've heard it happen with uh, other apps. Yeah, I, so, I don't know. I just, I, in fact, uh, I, I will say this: if you, you know, if you want to give it another try, uh, reinstall it and see how it works. Uh, lately, when I listen to it, I, I have not encountered that problem. But if, um, if you try it and encounter that problem, then obviously you'll, you'll have to do something else. Yeah. Well, I had, and, and one time I had, I had two phones going at the same time just to. And they had different commercials that, you know, during the same break. Just yeah, no, that's how it works. I mean, it's a long story, and, you know, I could I, I could spend hours talking about it, but people would be bored to death. So, yeah, the way commercials are inserted, whether it's on the app or if you're listening at WNBF.com, those commercials are inserted using some other mysterious technology. Appreciate your call. Hope you have a good time in Colorado. Oh, thanks. Have a good day. Thank you. Matt from Binghamton, as in former Mayor Matthew Ryan. Good morning. I am uh, trying to. I'm doing good. I'm like. I'm trying to be a good human being, uh, or at least a human being, um, as best I can. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> Thank <laughs> anyway. you. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think we're all human. Right. So anyway, here's the here's the deal. You know how much Donald Trump talked about when the stock market was soaring while he was president, how, how great he was and how it was all because of him. Now, when the stock market uh, went to all-time highs last week uh, several times, he actually said, oh, the stock market doesn't matter. It's just rich people getting uh, richer. And that's, uh, I mean, first of all, it's just another one of his uh, ways to inflame people and tell, you know, try to prove that Joe Biden somehow, you know, is, uh, doesn't do anything. You know, based on just how the stock market's done in, in recent days, if the election were to be held today, that former guy would lose by at least 10 million votes. He might lose by 20 million votes because of yeah, overall the economy, plus Matt Ryan, but, plus gas prices are trending down. 
Exactly. But here's the point. Anybody who knows Tom DiNapoli and has talked to him, what he does for the most important function he does, we have a, one of the only fully funded pension systems in the country. And when I was mayor, uh, when during the recession, one of the reasons we were struggling so much all during those years financially was because if if the if the stock market isn't doing well, he's talking about rich people getting richer. If the stock market doesn't do well, then this the governmental entity that has their pension funds invested in the stock market has to make up the difference. Uh, and sometimes you have to pay nothing. And during the recession, you had to pay a lot. So the, when the when the stock market is doing well, it affects everybody, every small taxpayer in a big way. And obviously a lot of people have, um, you know, put, have a 401k and, or, you know, investments, they might not be rich, but they've, it pays, you know, over, over years, the average is 8% and some years much better. If you keep it in there and don't gamble, you know, put, good investments in there. And, and by the way, Tom DiNapoli has to, there's all sorts of rules and regulations. He can't just speculate and try to, you know, inflate the fund, you know, with risky, risky business. Uh, so Donald Trump, once again, has no clue what's going on in this country. He doesn't care about the common man. And for him to make that statement, uh, it goes back to when he gave that big tax cut when he was when he was president. He went back to Mar-a-Lago and all the rich people. He said, "I just made you you guys all a bunch more money." Uh, that's who he cares about himself and his rich buddies. Well, uh, no, you're you're half right. He cares about himself. He doesn't care about his buddies. Well, I, I no, he cares about himself. Maybe he cares about some members of his family, but bottom line is. In my opinion, Matt from Binghamton, that former guy cares mainly about himself. Yeah, and I hope people will look up. He said it this in the last few days. So if you if you're watching a source that doesn't talk about the highs of the stock market or doesn't talk about what Donald Trump has to say about it to make you know, like I said, he said when when it was going to all time highs, he was bragging about it. Now all of a sudden it's a all time highs, and he's diminishing it. And I, I'm not saying Joe. Biden is completely responsible for the stock market. There's a, as you know, just the, like gas prices, there's a lot of factors. Oh, yeah, but, but um, still, still, yeah, it's, but, but, you know, it, let's put it this way. At this moment in time, whether it's the stock market or gas prices or economic trends, things are moving in the right direction, whether or not Biden has anything to do with it. Appreciate your call. And again, in my opinion... You don't have to agree with it, and I know many don't agree with this. In my personal opinion, the former guy cares about one person. More calls coming up. It's Monday morning. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Rain today. Rain could be heavy at times. Patchy fog. Temperatures falling to around 41 by late afternoon. 
Snow showers likely tonight, possibly mixed with rain, becoming all snow on the overnight. Mostly cloudy, low around 28. On Tuesday, cloudy with showers, like snow showers likely with a high near 33. A late-year storm has unleashed heavy rain and gusty winds as it barrels up the east coast. The storm has flooded streets, forced water rescues, and caused the cancellation of holiday celebrations. In the waterfront community of Georgetown, South Carolina, authorities say dozens of rescues occurred after motorists were stranded by floodwaters. The town is situated between Charleston and Myrtle Beach. The tide gauge at Charleston, South Carolina, peaked at the city's highest non-tropical tide on record. The storm dumped up to five inches of rain across Florida. Broome County officials haven't released any cost estimates for repairs that will be needed to following a fire under the Binghamton Bridge. The blaze Wednesday evening damaged a section of the VFW Memorial Bridge near Otsonango Park. The span carries Bevere Street over the Shenango River. The intense fire consumed clothing, blankets, and other items that were used by the homeless who were living under the east side of the bridge off Shenango Street. Firefighters extinguished the blaze within minutes of arriving at the scene. The fire may have damaged some of the beams and other parts of the bridge structure. Some wood sections have been placed beneath the scorched beams. The bridge was closed for several hours while inspectors evaluated the situation. Broome County owns the bridge and is responsible for repairing it. A county statement released Thursday indicated the work likely would take several days to complete. Binghamton police and fire investigators have released no information about what caused the blaze. New York's highest court just gave Democrats a chance to withdraw the straight state's congressional districts. A major victory as the party tries to flip seats in the state to win control of the U.S. House next year. Now, the question is how far the state's Democrat-dominated legislature will try to push the boundaries in crucial battleground districts to give their party an advantage and how far the courts will let them. The process will be closely watched for any sign of partisan gerrymandering, which is forbidden by state law. Construction has started on a bank building just west of the Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Tioga State Bank acquired properties for the Harriel Drive project in 2019. Bank President Robert Fisher had said the planned branch would feature a high-tech, high-touch field that will be different with than more traditional offices. The Village Planning Board approved this slightly revised project in October. The new bank will be located at the intersection of Harry L. Drive and Oakdale Road next door to the Wegman store. A former animal hospital and other neighboring buildings were demolished four years ago to clear the site for the bank project. Tioga State Bank has indicated the new facility will include a 2,900-square-foot building with a drive through ATM kiosk. Bank officials weren't available Friday to provide additional information about the project, including when the office is expected to open. Pennsylvania has new laws to allow more criminal records to be sealed from public view and try to reduce the number of people who are on probation or in jails in Pennsylvania. Governor Josh Shapiro signed the bills Thursday, a day after lawmakers passed both with large majorities. The probation law aims to limit the length of probation and prevent people from being sent back to jail for minor violations. 
However, it drew criticism from the American Civil Liberties Unit un, Union, which says it doesn't fix problems that plague the state's probation system. The other bill allows courts to seal more records of nonviolent drug felonies and more quickly seal other records. Two men accused of racing on a public highway in western Pennsylvania are facing charges in a crash involving a school van that left a teenage girl dead. The crash also sent three other juveniles and two critically injured adults, including one of the defendants, to hospitals. Allegheny County Police said a Catholic high school van was trying to make a left turn when it was struck by a sedan on September 20th. The medical examiner's office said 15-year-old Samantha Lee Kalkbrenner died at the scene. An attorney for one of the defendants says his client doesn't remember the crash, but words can't describe his remorse. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Monday morning, Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph Live. 607-772-1290. That's the number. Feel free to wear it out on this Monday morning. Go ahead. Talk. Talk on the radio. Let me know what's on your mind. Enlighten me. And enlighten everybody else who's listening online or on the air at WNBF. It's true. It's, it's absolutely the only thing on WNBF right now. Fortunately, it'll change in about 55 minutes when our good friend Dan Bongino will tell us how wild and crazy he got over the weekend. That's my favorite part of his show every Monday when he tells me. <laughs> when he tells me. Everything he did over his wild and crazy weekend. It's like, please. Ha! Police! Police! Oh, please. So, yes. Dan Bongino. Yeah, he'll probably spend the first three to five minutes telling you about this weekend. And. You know, what could possibly be better on a national program than Dan Bongino's weekend? Yeah, what could be better? Let's take a look from the mailbag. Uh, oh, yeah. some people are uh, contacting us, replying to 
inquiries that were presented on Friday. The problem for those of us who are still willing to commit journalism, the problem with Fridays is you're you're at a huge disadvantage. You're at a tremendous disadvantage on Fridays because if you leave a voicemail or email message for most sources, you you know the odds of getting a response on a Friday. Basically, any Friday, any time of the year, the odds of getting a response and certainly getting the information you need for your story, the odds are pretty slim. Then it gets back. It's really bad. I think the worst is in July and August. If you are trying to commit journalism on Fridays in summer, you can pretty much forget about it because nobody is nobody in their right mind is going to reply to your request for serious information. And then sort of the same thing happens in December. Actually, between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, if you're trying to, trying to do news stories in, um, well, anywhere, I mean, whether it's Binghamton or anywhere, and you think you're going to elicit some information on a Friday, good luck with that. I mean, it happens. Don't Don't get me wrong. Sometimes... Sometimes you strike it lucky and people reply to your email, but usually you're only going to get a reply on Monday. Unfortunately, some people here, it's Monday morning, some people are replying. So the um, the news pipeline is, is still operational. It just doesn't flow very fast during the holiday season or during the summer. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I'm Rita from Johnson City. Morning, Rita. What's up? Uh, I just want to know if very many of your listeners have heard much about this government census that's been coming out. I personally have not received one, but a friend in Binghamton said it's a mandatory government census. And it even asks your income. Yeah, and who who sent it? It says it's from the government. The census, the, it's from the Census Bureau. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what the Census Bureau does. The Census Bureau collects information on Americans and then releases reports to kind of indicate what's going on. So it, it helps, helps the government plan, like say in Johnson City or Binghamton or Endicott, if uh, people are making a lot more money than they were a few years ago. The government keeps track of that, and then, or if it's just the other way, then the government knows that maybe some of these communities need more assistance, more housing assistance, or whatever. So, yeah, that's what the Census Bureau does. They they collect information. I don't know. I just have heard from some other people. They just think it's a lot of information to give to the government. Well, the one thing when it comes to the government seeking information. I'm always fascinated that the government, when whether it's the Census Bureau or any other government entity asking questions, it occurs to me they already know the answers. So what's the point? I guess when they seek information, they, they have a file on you. Everybody has a file in the computer. So they already know the answers to everything they're asking you. So I always think that they're it's not so much they're trying to get more information. They're just trying to measure your honesty. Well, I just think in 
considering the election, we could have a dictator. I mean, all this stuff is out there. I just don't think it's a good idea. Well, I don't either. I, I don't think the government deserves to know anything about me. I, I'm a private person, and the government, if the government wants to uh, know information, uh, I'd say the best way they can get it is a subpoena. Exactly. Yeah, and, and as far as uh, that dictator who wants to take office on January 20th, 2025, that's a valid point. If we have a dictator running things uh, out of Washington in just over a year, we're all at risk. Right, he has all the information. Yes, and and I'll be darned, I'll be darned if I'm going to volunteer my information so he can use it to come after me. If he if he wants to be a dictator, even for a day, he's going to have to go ahead and try to find me. But good luck with that. Well, that's what I say. I say, but they they're saying it's mandatory, and I think it's intimidating. Well, that's what the government does. Every virtually everything that is ever sent by the government, whether it's federal, state, or local, everything they send is designed to intimidate. The way it's worded, even the the envelopes, everything everything they send to you, even it's, if it's to renew your dog license, it's intimidating. Right. I think mine would be lost in the mail. <laughs> I think mine will be, too. Anyway, appreciate your call. Okay. All right. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I'm not giving my information to the wannabe dictator. If he wants... If he wants information, he's going to have to come personally to me and ask for it. I'm not going to have minions of the government. Oh, we just want information. We want, we want to know a little bit more about you. As I said, the government already knows everything about me anyway. So I, I think when they're seeking information, I suspect they're just trying to see how honest you are. So now the government already knows all that stuff. That's why they've put up all the cameras to track you everywhere. The plate readers, the cameras, the government already knows. Let's not kid ourselves. It's 1118. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning. It's Virginia from Binghamton. Hi, Virginia. How are you? I'm fine. You do a great job sticking to your policies. Well, thank you. I I I try to be thoughtful and reasonable. Yes, you are. But I have a little problem today with our former mayor Ryan. I remember. I see. I'm a leftover Tony Russell listener, an idiot, when he called Tony a moron, and us listeners an idiot. And we shouldn't listen to anything else. And we'd never heard of Rush Limbaugh or uh, Fox News. We were ABC News people. And then we thought we'd check them out. And we were getting both sides. So I think he ought to apologize. <laughs> Sorry to. Bust your buddy. He's not not my buddy. Wait, well, thank you for calling, Virginia, but don't be confused. Uh, I'm on good terms with every mayor, Uh, the current mayor and every former mayor. I mean, so. Yeah, so, I mean, just the other day, I ran into um, 
Rich David and, and Richard Bucci, and I took their picture over on Washington Street. Yeah, I heard you. Yeah. I listened to you. Every yeah, day. well, all the mayors love me, and why wouldn't they? So as far as, you know, I'm not buddies. I mean, I'm on, I'm on good terms with everybody, but not buddies. You make it sound like we're, we're hanging out at, at the bar up in Shenango Forks. <laughs> we don't hang out. I've never, I mean, I've run into Matt Ryan once or twice at, at places or, oh, just the other night. Where was I the other night? I ran into, um, a vault, I won't name the place, but a place in the first word. I ran into Rich Bucci the other night when I was having wings. So I, yeah, I run into these people, but they're not my buddies. They're, they're former officials. Of course. Yeah. Now, as far as what, what Matt Ryan said back in the day, uh, and I, I, I always found it, um, unfortunate that he used strong language about, about Tony who was my good friend, and strong language about some of the listeners and people who called the show. But I I think it was sort of in the heat of the moment. You remember, because sometimes uh, on certain issues, Tony and, and the former mayor really didn't see eye to eye. So I think, I think it was just in the heat of the moment. Oh, Virginia, thank you for calling in. So just a thought, though. It's uh, 1122-607-772-1290 with Bob Joseph, America's most thoughtful, most reasonable radio voice. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre-owned at GaltAuto.com. The holiday season. Eleven twenty-five. More calls, more often. Plenty of calls coming up between now and noon. Matt Ryan is back on the line for a clarification. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's kind of serendipitous because I was going to. I was just sending you a message. There is never the census never calls you to do. That's whatever's going on 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 the people getting called. It's a scam. They should know that. There's no census until. 2030 now. I mean, the census is done once every 10 years, and they don't call people and ask them a lot of information. It's all done by, um, you know, by questionnaire and things like that. So, I mean, I just hope people aren't falling for that. But well, in that case, ironic. she said her friend, I think, got something in the mail. And the fact is, the Census Bureau does seek information uh, throughout the, throughout the year, even when they're not conducting the big census every decade, the Census Bureau legitimately does seek information from select households during the year. So it might oh, be do? legit. Uh, they do. Yes. Okay, I'm, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I got. I mean, uh, a few years ago, I got one of them, but I, I have to oh, confess. Oh yeah, I'm going to confess. So if I'm not here tomorrow, you'll know why. If if I was supposed to return it. I didn't because I didn't like the tone of of their questions. So, you know, maybe now that I've admitted on the air, I didn't return my, it was not the regular census, say, in 2020, but it was something else like, you know, how many radios you have or stuff like that. It was definitely from the Census Bureau, but I just didn't like the tone of their questions. So they'll probably... 
probably the FBI will be coming to get me at noon. So if you see if you see uh, a big SUV, a 2025 SUV with tinted out windows and me being hauled off, never be seen again. That's why. Well, I'm, I guess I, um, that's true. I, my whole experience in my whole life, I never got any any kind of phone call like that. I just thought it was kind of sp- well, suspicious. Well, yeah, if it's here's a rule of thumb. If you get a phone call, don't don't answer but go to the census bureau website because they have information about stuff because they do i'm looking at the the part of the uh, website that says yes we do conduct surveys not just every 10 years it's um yeah there's well it's too it's too lengthy to go into now but definitely look on the census bureau website and they have information describing what i i mentioned I stand corrected them, but but it, it was ironic that this woman called about the reason. And I think you weren't there then, but um, um, I called in the station because what Tony was saying was don't do the census. He was telling people not to do the census. And I was like sitting there in my office going, our aid that comes to our community is based on how many people you have. And if you don't, by the way, it's illegal. And when they're doing the official sentence, it's actually illegal not to not do to not do the sentence. Right. And that's why a lot of people are are doing hard time in, in prison because they didn't fill out the census because they take that pretty seriously. I don't know about that. I don't. But here- no, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. They don't prosecute people. They want people to participate voluntarily. But. So, but but to your point, yes, the, they they need accurate information, and not just every ten years. The point I was making with Virginia when she called was they need updated information, even like say in twenty twenty three to get more information about household income or community needs, and that's probably why that that mailing was sent to her friend. Okay. The, the whole purpose of this call, though, was to the woman who called in and criticized me for calling Tony a name. I never called Tony a name. What happened was I told the person who answered the phones back then that I said it to her because I was mad because he was making a comment that would actually hurt us if, if you know, say a thousand people listened to him and didn't do the census. And it would affect our the aid we get from the federal government. So I was not happy about it. Plus, it's a crime. He was advocating a crime. So I said it. To oh, that's right. So, yes, if you get anything from the Census Bureau and it says that you're obligated to um, fill it out, of course, I, I insist that you fill it out and you do everything they tell you or else you'll go to prison. Bob, the purpose of the phone call is I. she said that I called the listeners and him a name. I never did. He was... Off the the air, I I did use that word. However, he was the one that told everybody I said it. I didn't. I was. I didn't call up to to criticize. I was mad, but I didn't. I said I don't want to talk to him. I just want you to tell him not to be saying that. And I said, you know, what is he a moron? And he was the one that told everybody I said it. And then he went out and made T-shirts and sold them and stuff. uh, um, you know, so convenient memory is, uh, you know, what people remember is just what they want to remember. But I never would call a talk show host a, a name on the air. I didn't do it. 
he was the one that disseminated the information that I said behind the scenes. And I, I thought I, I, I didn't even use the word moron. I said, I think what he did was moronic. I guess that's the same thing, but I never said it on the air. I never said it in public. He was the one that told everybody. I told the person calling and I think I had a very good reason to call up and I was justifiably angry that he was telling people to, um, disobey the law and and would hurt our community the tax dollars we get coming back to the to our community from the federal government if a lot of people listen to them so i, I just hope um yeah I, I i don't mind people tell, saying things about me if i actually did them but i don't like it when people conflate stories and then all of a sudden i'm somebody out there you know i you know that's that that's not what happened. I just wanted to make sure that um, woman or anybody who was listening didn't get the wrong impression. All right. I appreciate the clarification. It's former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan live on WNBF on this Monday. Selena in Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I love your show. You have good um, taste. Um, I just want to throw this one out there. The Shenango River. East of the health department is rising profusely. Just in case the pump house fails, have people on Front Street drive safe because the water may back up. All right. Yes, everybody, be careful. Not just there, but everywhere today because uh, there are some roads that already have been reported underwater because of uh, creeks or streams, and it's it's potentially going to be uh, a challenge, I would say, maybe for the next 12 hours or so. So it should get better. Thank you, Selena, for the important reminder. Public safety here at WNBF. Leo in Endwell, good morning. Morning. Sounds like you're having a good show there. It's one of my best. I'm enjoying this. We're, you know, if the if we're starting out the week this strong, I'm really looking forward to the next four days. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to touch on a conversation you had earlier today about um, journalism and how it's uh, it's it's having a hard time surviving. Uh, and what I wanted to suggest is that. Um, the the newspapers in particular have lost all of their revenue from ads and whatnot as far as uh, classifieds. Uh, and, of course, the reason is because to post something out on the Internet, it's, it's cheap. It, it, it comes for free, but it really doesn't because it takes – ad revenue away from the papers and and the media every time you do something like that um and the the internet in general has has i think kind of hurt the local economies not just newspapers but local businesses and everything and uh, uh i I wish there was something that could be done about it. The, the only thing I can think of is to to increase the taxes on on transactions that are performed on the internet. You know, any any business that's performed over there, because it's really killing the local economies at all levels. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's complicated. If people want to see an interesting story about the local news crisis. Um, a piece just appeared a few days ago on the Washington Post website by their media critic, Eric Wemple, 
And the headline is, could the local news crisis get any worse? Look at Scranton. And he tells the story of what recently happened in Scranton when a family-owned newspaper was bought up by a hedge fund. And so things are getting bad, and they'll get worse in Scranton. Scranton was one of the um, cities in the region that, relatively speaking, had a had a pretty decent paper. I think it still is decent because the hedge fund hasn't owned it uh, long enough to totally wreck it. But in the next several months, it'll get really bad. Um, one thing Eric Wemple didn't mention is what Gannett has done to its communities, including the communities here in upstate New York, turning once very good papers into ghost newspapers. And and Gannett ought to be ashamed. I'm not talking about people who still work for Gannett at locations like Binghamton, Elmira, Ithaca, Rochester, Westchester, Poughkeepsie. The people who work for them ought to be proud that they're working under abysmal circumstances. Yeah, but the corporate yeah. executives well, at Gannett ought to be ashamed of what they've done to that company. Well, one 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 pot thing that pops into my mind is that a, a lot of us in the general public think that the truth is for free. That that you're going to there's an attitude like you don't have to pay for it. But to ferret out the truth is not—it's not cost-free, and and it has to be supported. Um, and cannibalizing existing institutions, as as they're doing, is is not right. Uh, it's 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 not good for the nation. It's not good for the local economies. True, but they don't care. Uh, trust me, the people who run Gannett don't care. If you've ever listened, if you uh, ever have an opportunity, uh, the next time they have an earnings call, or you could probably find them archived online, listen to the Gannett representatives on the quarterly earnings call, and you can tell what they think about the communities, at least the smaller communities where they still do business. They, they have basically wrecked the existing newspapers they've sold all or nearly all of the real estate they've um, managed to squeeze um, almost all the money out of these markets and they're they're happy as as pigs going to um i don't know where pigs go when they're happy um i guess probably happy as pigs going to uh, a bar with two dollar beer you know it's it's a real shame it's a real shame, and nobody will hold them accountable. But I appreciate your call, and hopefully at some point we can rebuild our journalism infrastructure. Do you have time for another comment? It's unrelated. But quickly. It's a totally different topic. Uh, quickly. I would like to propose that one way to boost in-person voting at a national level is to tie it to some sort of a lottery for those people who show up to vote in person. And I guarantee you, you would see voter participation go through the roof. I agree. I I, no, I agree. I don't know how it would work. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, uh, putting, that hand, putting that kind of thing in the hands of government would open the whole, the whole process up to corruption. <laughs> but you're right, just generically speaking... If everybody who voted, say in next year's, yes, if everybody who voted 
uh, would have a chance at one million tax-free dollars. Say if they gave right. away a million dollars in each yeah. state, or even a million dollars in in all the big cities or whatever, tax-free. Yeah, you would see voter participation get soar. Off their butts and vote. Yes, sad. That's what it would take. Thank you for your uh, call and your thoughts. We've got more calls. Coming up right here at WNBF, as they often say on the radio, don't touch that dial. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and online at WNBF.com. More calls, more often. No, I haven't said enough. No, I haven't said enough. I have more to say. Stay tuned. Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Yes, good morning, Bob. Hey, uh, I wanted to, um, I saw a piece in our paper, uh, the 15th, last Friday, about um, Donald Trump in Iowa. And... uh, he says the American dream is dead, he claims. And, um, you know, he says as long as crooked Joe Biden is in the White House, the American dream is dead. It's dead. You didn't hear about the American dream anymore. You know, it's no longer there. You know, this this I, I, I can see this coming. I this guy just keep talking, talking to the people that, you know, you, you've got already. Talk to your side, because I'll tell you, you get out here in the national. He's going to I'm telling you, Bob, he's going to get popped. He's going to get popped. He is just a big bag of wind. This is what. Yeah, but he's a great guy. Otherwise, Um, I think the biggest thing is um, Democrats had better take a close look at their ticket. That's all I can say. I'm not going to go into further detail right now because the program's nearly over. I say Democrats ought to take a close look at their ticket. I think our ticket, our ticket ticket is going to be fine. I think well, you're saying that the Democratic ticket, as it stands now, is as strong as it could possibly be. I'll tell you right now, you do anything with Kamala Harris, you're going to kill the base. You will kill the base. Let's not get stupid. This man- well, you'd have better luck with AOC. No, the, you know, yeah, we get maybe six in her area. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. This is what we wanted. This is what the Democratic Party did. And that's where we're going, okay? Because a lot of you are the same people that said we should have ran Hillary Clinton. Maybe you should have ran Joe Biden back then. And he could have won. Yeah, he so, would you know, He would have won. He would have, he would have won easily. The, pro- the problem, yeah. Hillary Clinton, whether you like her or loathe her, she was not a good candidate. And we saw what happened. And, and yeah. yes... There were outside factors at play as well, but she was just an imperfect candidate at at the wrong time. I'm not saying Hillary could never have been elected president, but that that was not the year. 
that was not the year. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about America. What I can say about America, this country has survived a lot over more than two centuries. So it's, it's going to survive whatever happens in next year's election. The country will survive. The real question will be how big a mess might have to be cleaned up depending on who wins. So if that's something people have to consider. Elections, all elections, local, state, and national elections have consequences. Keep that in mind and vote. So November of next year, I don't care if you're busy watching the Cartoon Network, take a few minutes, get outside the house and and vote. I don't care who you vote for, vote next year. Because your vote will make a difference if you choose to use your vote. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Uh, did you know that it's free entrance to Octonango Park tonight from 5 to 9 to, to check out the lights? Well, that would be a good deal. It's on. Yeah, he, uh, Fred Astor was on, was on, on the news a couple of days ago and, uh, and, uh, and he said the, the park will be open from five to nine and it was, it was free. Well, I hope it doesn't rain. Well, me either. No, but you can check out, you can, you can check on um, on the flyer. I mean, on on the internet if you want to. All right. Well, I I've seen those lights, and I for yeah. one, I was dazzled. It was beautiful. Yeah, my, yeah. I can imagine. My youngest daughter took took some people over in her vehicle, and she said that that when you go. Go through the when you go through the park, you got to turn out your lights on your car. Yeah, you turn out your lights and then you listen. You turn your radio to ninety two point one FM and you listen to WNBF. Yep. So, anyways, I'll let you know tomorrow. How okay. I hope you have a good okay. time. You too. Yeah, sounds like fun. I might go tonight. I went um, just over a week ago, and I was stunned at the the beauty. It got me in a holiday festive mood because the lights, there's so many of them. I lost count. I lost count. I don't know how many lights, but it's a lot. So I might go tonight. Uh, if you see me there, wave. 1148-607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, Monday morning on WNBF. question is at who is it me or is it you it's hard to tell until you're hit but you'll know it when they hit you cause they hurt a little bit here they come pouring out of the blue a little arrows for me and for you you're falling in love again 
11.59 here at WNBF with Bob Joseph. Let's take a look from our email. Lots of people are uh, commenting about the census. American Community Survey, that's what it is. And Gary wrote, it is sent to about 3.5 million households every year to update local statistics between census years. It is required to be returned by federal law. And if you don't return it, you're in big, big trouble. If you don't return it, you're in big trouble, it says. You are legally obligated to answer all the questions as accurately as you can. The relevant laws are Title 18 USC section 3571 and section 3559. So don't think that you're getting away with not answering the American Community Survey. Just because somebody said they didn't answer doesn't mean you can get away with it. According to Gary, he did research. You could be fined up to $5,000 for not responding and up to $10,000 giving false information. So if you get a request, a legitimate request from the American Community Survey, which is part of your Census Bureau, remember, they work for you. It's just the government working for you, and therefore, they can send you something and ask you all sorts of personal questions. And if you don't answer, you could be fined up to $5,000 for not responding and up to $10,000 giving false information. So don't. Don't think that you're going to get away with it. They probably have, uh, I think, a division of the U.S. Marshals Task Force, New York, New Jersey. They have a special task force that goes to track down people who won't answer the American Community Survey. So, again, this could be big, big trouble. Uh, looking on the internet, those who decline to complete the survey may receive visits to their homes from the Census Bureau personnel. Oh, that's another thing, though. If you don't send it back, you might, in fact, get a phone call. So if, say, they sent you something and it said it's from the Census Bureau, it's the American Community Survey, and you had better send it back, if you think you're going to ignore it with impunity, well, then they might call you. So maybe that's what the person was referring to, because maybe maybe someone foolishly disregarded the order from the government, which works for us. Remember, you're paying these people. You're paying the federal government to collect personal information. And uh, if you don't, you'll be in big trouble. Because it's a mandatory survey, it's governed by federal laws that could impose a fine of as much as $5,000 on those who flagrantly refuse to participate. So, just saying. I'm just saying. The Census Bureau field representatives need to interview every home, everywhere. That's what they do, because they work for you, the home viewer. It's 11.55 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Mike from Endicott. Hey, what's up? Uh, 
you're talking about the census that it's mandated, ordered by the government, huh? Is what you're saying? And if you don't, you will be fined. I'm not saying it. That's what that's what the government says. I'm just reading no, what. No, yeah, you're you're saying if you don't, you'll be in big trouble. Well, okay, I'm, that's what I'm saying. According to the census.gov, they could hit you with fines. Let's go back to a dictatorship. You say no. Let's not go back to a dictatorship. I don't want a dictatorship. If that dictator takes office on January twentieth, twenty twenty-five, I personally, I personally will criticize the dictator. You're avoiding the question. Yeah, well, no. Because hopefully we're not going to have a dictator in this country. Avoid the question. Not avoiding any question. I'm saying that guy who promised he would be a dictator on day one, I'm saying not if I can help it. I'm not going to sit around waiting for a dictator to take over, especially when he gave us advance warning. He warned about a year in advance before the election he wanted to be a dictator on the first day. I'm Bob Joseph. It's the way it is on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square.